listeners, and welcome to the NK News Podcast. I am your host, Jacko Zwetslut, and this episode was recorded in Seoul on the morning of the Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. And my in-studio guest today is Dr. Yunin Ju, Research Fellow at the Korea Maritime Institute in Busan. We'll be talking about North Korea maritime and fisheries issues after sanctions and COVID-19 amongst other things. But first, please leave a review about this podcast wherever you get it, whether that's on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube. Uh, Like and subscribe and share this episode with everybody you know. Secondly, check out NK News, where you can find uh, lots of in-depth stories written by the excellent journalists who I work with every week. You can consider buying a subscription for a year. It's much more affordable than you think. In fact, if you sign up for the annual plan, it's less than a dollar a day. And that helps to fund the work that we do here. Thirdly, you can follow NK News Org on Twitter. That's one word. And you can also find me, Jack OZ. Okay, my guest today, Dr. Yunin Zhu, is Research Fellow at the Northern and Polar Regions Research Department at the Korea Maritime Institute in Busan. She does all kinds of research in relation to North Korean maritime industries, tourism, fisheries, and sanctions. Thank you for coming all the way to Seoul and, and welcome on the show, Inju. Good morning. I'm honored to join your podcast today. Thank you for having me here. It's, a, it's good timing, uh, given what's been happening the last few days. It's a good time to talk about uh, maritime issues between North and South Korea. But before we do, first of all, can you tell us briefly, uh, what is the Korea Maritime Institute? What does it do? What's its uh, mission and task? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think many people might heard of KDI, Korea Development Institute, or KIAP, the Maybe last week? Yeah, very recently we had Harinhan from Kiev. So KDI, Kiev, and KMI, we are kind of brothers and sisters. Uh Yeah, we are kind of a government-affiliated research institute under the prime minister's office. But we touch different uh, topics, like, you know, Kiev deals with international economic things, and we touch maritime things. That's the difference. Right. Okay. And why does KMI carry out so much research on North Korea-related subjects? Well, actually, we have 28 brothers and sisters under the prime minister's office. Yes. So all of us are covering North Korean issues. Uh, all of you? Yes. Okay. So. All right. Uh, so uh, since we're talking about North Korea and South Korea, what agreements are there between the two Koreas on, uh, well, for, actually, maybe I should go back before that. Where is the maritime border between the North Korea and South Korea? And and do they agree on that or is there some disagreement? Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're Korean, you should know that there is NLL, Northern Limit Line. It's on the sea. Actually, on land, we see uh, MDL, Military Demarcation Line. But the term is different, right? Right. So on land, we made the uh, exact clear line, demarcation. But uh, when we go back to the Korean War, at that time, actually, the UN forces were in control of you know the sea area. So mm-hmm. they did not make any line on the sea, but they... Uh, we're afraid that our South Korean fishers could be captured one day just to go, you know, toward the north. Right. So they set the line. So we call it limit. They just limit their kind of fishing activities. So it is called the Northern Limit Light. We have two uh, Northern Limit Light in the west and in the sea. Okay. So conventionally, this became our boundary. Right. So the, the Northern Limit Line in the east between Korea and Japan that's basically a straight line mm-hmm. heading out, uh, right. basically straight east from the uh, the coast of uh, of, of Kangwon Province, uh, mm-hmm. Gosong County, isn't it? It's yes, a very straight yes. line. Yes. Uh, and does it go all the way to Japan? I mean, where does the, the NLL stop? 
Oh yeah, actually, according to the conventional international law, uh, one country have an exclusive economic zone. It's called EEZ. Okay. At a 200 nautical mile, yep. it's about 370 kilometers. Right. But because surrounding Korean Peninsula, the the waters are not that broad. Yeah. So none of us can proclaim our EEZ. We are all overlapped. So in the East East Sea, yep. between Korea and Japan, EEZ. Are overlapped, so NNL ends before the, the overlapped area. I see. Okay, and over on the west side between Korea and China, it's a much more complicated uh, northern limit line. Yeah. Uh, because of the the five islands, the mm-hmm. five western islands of mm-hmm. uh, Pyongyang-do on the mm-hmm. far west, yeah. and uh, and Yeonpyeong-do, and then there's a few other ones whose names I forget. But uh, that's a more complicated line, and there's some kind of agreement between the two Koreas, isn't there? I think I remember back in. 2007, uh, under President Norman Hyun, they had some kind of an agreement. Can you tell us about that? You mean the agreement on the the NLL or on the NLL, NLL specifically? Yeah. Oh, um, I uh, no, I I'm afraid that there is none about the oh. the yeah line. Okay, so there is no agreement on no that. agreement. Okay. Yes. So what agreements are there between the two Koreas on, for example, shipping lanes or fisheries or or other kinds of things? Uh, in my understanding, there are four big official agreements yep. in like overall economic areas. One of them is shipping, because in 2000, uh, those that times we made uh, inter-Korean exchanges, yep. and we have to send some 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 things, materials to the north. Uh, only Gaesong Industrial Complex they use the overland trade, but otherwise we have to use the shipping. Yeah. So we made agreement. So according to that agreement. Maybe I have to mention two things. Mm-hmm. First, we admit that this inter-Korean shipping is domestic. I'm not exactly domestic, but we we are saying that it is not international line. Okay. So, like you see some international and domestic line in the air. Yeah. And on shipping, we just uh, separate international thing and non-international things. So that is the very important thing in that agreement. And second thing is that we made a um, promise to open seven ports mm-hmm. in the north and in the south. S- seven in each or a total each, of seven? In each. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in south is from west, Incheon, Gunsan, Yeosu, Busan, Ulsan, Poang, Sokcho. These okay. are seven. And from north, it's starting from Nampo, Heju, Goseong, Wonsan, Cheongjin, I mean Hameung, Cheongjin, Najin. These seven. So okay. we promised to open those ports. Each when was that time. agreement made? It was made in 2004 and effective in 2005. Okay. All right. That was when, when Norm Hyun was president. Right, right yes. Right. Okay. But you say it was effective. I mean, has that actually, have those ports been open? Has inter-Korean fishing, uh, not fishing, but shipping gone from from those sou- seven southern ports to the seven northern ports? Uh, actually, uh, open just the two uh, from each side. So it's total four. I see. Uh, Incheon and Nampo, they right. made the regular shipping routes. Okay. And Busan, Najin, they have irregular uh, shipping road. So uh, when okay, obviously nowadays um, relations are very bad between North and South Korea, and I'm, I'm guessing there's no shipping right now, right? And, and also COVID is, is an issue too. But when times were better, when there was uh, when there were ships coming from um, Nampo to to Incheon, did they ha- were they allowed to cross the NLL, or did they have to go into you know international waters and then come around the NLL? How did that work? Oh, actually, according to the agreement, they have to go outside. Uh-huh. But practically, the agreement was made after the inter-Korean shipping happened. Yes. It's just uh, after. So it was already happening. Yes, yes. So they allow, already happened a uh, route. They just allow them. 
Okay, so in theory, they should go to international waters, but in practice, they were actually allowed to cross. Yeah, the yeah, yes. Now, what about on the uh, the east coast there? Um, there used to be um, a ferry from maybe Sokcho to Vladivostok, an oh, yeah, international yeah, ferry. Yes, yes. Did that cross the northern limit line? Oh, yes, they cross. Okay, and was that something that North Korea had to agree to? Or, I mean, was that in, was North Korea's permission involved in that or, mm, or not? Well, I'm not sure of that. I, I, cannot, uh, I do not have an answer on that. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Mm. Okay, well, uh, so recently this week uh, in particular, uh, in fact, just a few days before we recorded, North Korea started firing lots of missiles and there were U.S. and Korea uh, live fire exercises um, and, and yesterday, I think, oh, I've forgotten the exact number, North Korea either fired 23 or 25 missiles. This morning, another one over Japan. Uh, South Korea fired some air-to-surface missiles across the water. Um, is that something that the Korea Maritime Institute studies as well, or is that too much of a security issue so you don't touch it? Mm, well, f- it's not exactly my side, but yeah. as you know, in, in Korea, the North Korean issues dominate every issue. So yeah. actually... I my research topic will be affected by that issue, right. and also we have another department. They are focused on Tokto, the yeah. island, and also maritime law, maritime international law. So they are touching more about this issue. Uh, okay, so speaking of international law, the Northern Limit Line that has no standing in international law. Is that correct? Oh well, um, the you know UN UN close UNCLOS, the United Nations Conventions on the Law of the Sea. Right. It has been made in 1982 something. So yep. before that, it was kind of a conventional things. And after the UNCLOS, we have made some international kind of law system. But the United States and North Korea did not sign on that right. thing. So it could be a little bit awkward if North Korea U.S. say something based on that that law, but. Uh, conventionally, international law is not fixed correctly with some, you know, articulated words. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they allow conventional lines, conventional boundaries. I and see. NLL has been there for several decades. Since the 1950s. Right. Yeah. And North Korea did not make any opposition to it uh-huh. since, you know, since then for till 1990s or 2000. So I would say that it could be acceptable conventionally. Uh-huh. So, so North Korea actually started uh, to raise issues about the NLL quite recently then, right? just in the last few decades. Do you know why? Well, I would say that, uh, as I just mentioned, that UNCLOS has been affected from 1982. Yes. So after that, about 10 or 20 years, North Korea realized that the importance of the line. Mm. They also made such opposition to China once in 2012. Uh-huh. So maybe because they realized the importance of the line and also the some some might say that the West Sea's dispute is kind of a kotke. How how do you say in English? Oh, it's a, the the crabs. Crab, the, the, yeah, the crab war. Snow crab. Uh, yes. Fishing. Yeah, they know mm-hmm. that the the snow crab is kind of a big fortune, so they just realize that it is important to keep the line and gain more things. Uh, so it's a it's more of a, a fishing territory dispute than than anything else. It, it's yeah, it's kind of one interpretation. Mm, yes. Okay. So uh, what about yesterday? There was a. I believe North Korea fired a missile across the NLL in the direction of Ulungdoana. Now, it, it did uh, splash down in the sea well short of, of Ulungdo, uh, but did it actually come down in South Korean waters? Uh, it came down to our jurisdiction, but not in our territory. Because like in, you know, Ankos, uh, we 
we can proclaim our jurisdiction or sovereignty uh-huh. in EEZ, exclusive economic zone. So the, the missile fell into our EEZ, but not in our territorial water. Uh, so how far do territorial waters go out? Territorial waters are 22 kilometers. 22 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the EEZ, you said, was 200? 370 kilometers. 370 yes. kilometers. Okay, so beyond 22, but before 370, right. that's the EEZ, and that's where the North Korean missile came down. Okay, is that, do you, I don't think that it happened before. Do you see that as a significant event? Oh, yes, it's, it's for, because it's very close to territorial sea, the first ever since the Korean War. That right. is the significance. So in terms of this kind of uh, maritime boundary things, first of all, I, I have to mention that they have to, they violated our um, jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. They just came into our jurisdiction. If it fell into territorial water, it means really a war. So, okay, so if they had come closer... Yes, yeah. Be within the 22 mm-hmm. kilometers, mm-hmm. that would have been... War, yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just war. So that's why I think they just targeted it, uh-huh. not very into the in territorial water. How close were they? Do we know? It was three, uh, 35 kilometers away from the territorial water. Okay, so it's 22 plus 35. Yes, So yeah. it's like 77 kilometers yeah, yeah. from the coast of mm-hmm. Korea. That's okay. the point, yes. All right, so... Had they come closer, that could have been very dangerous. Oh, yes, yes. And then second uh, significance is that even though they are just arguing that we don't, we don't just violate the, you know, your territorial waters, but right. still they break the agreement made in 2018. Mm-hmm. We made a buffer zone right. uh, on land, at sea, and in the air, and they break the agreement. So that is second significance. I see. Now, South Korea also fired some missiles in response in the direction of, of North Korean waters. Is that also a breach of that 2018 agreement? Yes. Because so so we, now both sides are breaching that agreement. Yes. Actually, what okay. we did is actually the, exactly the same amount of reach toward the uh, North. You did something and right. I did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so generally, uh, what is the impact of live fire exercises on normal maritime activity. So before North Korea started to, to, uh, to shoot these missiles, uh, the U.S. and Korea... And I think maybe Japan also were involved in these uh, joint uh, live fire exercises. How does that affect normal maritime activities? For example, does the does the South Korean government order all ships and boats to go back to port until the exercises end? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm not a military expert, but I, it's a kind of, kind of a general, you know, common sense. Yeah, they have to do it, make some evacuation. Okay, so so when when there are exercises, ships are not out there. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. but obviously when. When North Korea is sending missiles, there's no warning about that. Right, and so yeah. It could, in theory, hit a, a fishing boat or, yes, a, yes. or an oil tanker or an LNG tanker or something out there in the exclusive economic zone of right, South Korea. Yes. So it, it can be a dangerous thing. Right. That's why uh, our government made some, some warning in Ulungdo area. Right. Okay. So t- tell us how you became interested in North Korea and how you came to study topics related to North Korea. Oh, well, it's kind of long time ago, like 20 or 15 years ago. I I was kind of very serious kids about my career, what I have to do for life and in my life. And I set some period of time to think about it. And I reached it to a conclusion that I want to do something in public sector, not mm-hmm. private sector. And among many issues in public sector, I thought about national development. And I want to, I'm not a, such a, be patriot, but I would like to contribute to my nation. 
And I thought about that North Korean issue is so huge and so big in our mm. country because, as you see, in, in you know, political things, military, economy, we have a career risk, things like that. Yeah. It, is a so, it made so huge impact on our society, and I, I feel very frustrated about that. So I started uh, learning North Korean issue. Okay. What was your PhD research about? Oh, it was about uh, de facto privatization phenomena. I say de facto because it de jure in, in a law or system, official mm-hmm. system, privatization should not happen in North Korea. But in reality, it happens now. So I deal with that issue. What kind of uh, industries in North Korea have seen de facto privatization? Oh, I would say all, all over the industry. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's everything from, from farming to shipping to... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably no defense industry de, fa- uh, de facto privatization, I'm guessing. Uh, when I say privatization, privatization, I approach that issue with a property right. When ah. we say property rights, it consists of three things. First of all, you have to control it, control some asset or property. Right. And after controlling it, you have to uh, be able to make use of it, make some money, right. money from the, the property. Yep. And thirdly, the ultimate uh, the level is you have to to be able to transfer it, you have to sell the property. Then you can say that I have a full right of a property. Uh-huh. So in that... And you're not just talking about land, are you? You're talking no, about... No, no, not building, ship, building ships. Yep, yeah, okay. everything. Any asset. Yes, means okay. of a production. Means of production, Yes. Okay. So in that perspective, in defense area as well, they can, you know, some of my control the military truck. They can make money from it. Uh-huh. Sometimes they can transfer. Ah. Then we can say that it's a privatization. Okay, yeah, wow. That, that was my concept, yes. All right, that's very interesting. Uh, have you published your PhD as a book in English? Oh, n- no, in Korean, but I hope so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, give us a, a quick overview of the different research projects that you have worked on at the Korea Maritime Institute that are related to North Korea. Mm, after I got a uh, PhD, the first study I did was uh, the fishery trade after uh, 2010 May 24th measure. Now, remind us, what is the 2010 May 24th measures? Uh, because uh, uh, it's uh, after Cheonanam incident. Okay, the, the, when when North Korea sank a South Korean naval ship. Mm-hmm, 2010, I think. Off the island of Pyongyangdo. Right, right. So after that, the fishery trade stopped. The government uh, made uh, several uh, measures. For example, uh, they just we just did not allow North Korean ships to enter our territory, like, you know, just pass through the Jeju Strait, something uh-huh. like that. And we stop all the visits and, you know, joint venture, things like that. Uh-huh. So this is uh, President Im myung bakks unilateral yes. sanctions right. from South Korea on North Korea. Okay, the May 24th May measures. May 24th measures. All so right. after that, I just tracked down how the fishery trade has been changed. Because even though we did not directly make a trade with North Korea, but North Korean fishery, you know, go to China and then, you know, disguised and Chinese product coming to South Korea. So I follow oh. the kind of trade data. Now, how do you disguise a North Korean fish to look like a Chinese fish? Oh, I would say I'm, I'm not a fishery expert, but I, I, I heard that it's different. It's like more like Korean one, right? So uh, when they make some inspection, they could see that this is Korean one. But they are saying that they are Chinese. The, the fish itself? Yes, yes. But fish don't have any nationality. Oh yes, a but you know the how do you say they they have some, some the origin of a species, right? Uh-huh. 
they, there are certain kinds that, that they, they just live in, you know, Korean oh, territory. See. Oh, yeah. okay. So they took some fish that only live in, in North Korean waters. Yeah, or South Korean waters. Or South Korean waters. And they're pretending that they're Chinese, Chinese fish. Yeah. And then selling them uh-huh. to somebody who then sells them to mm-hmm. Korea. Because they can't sell directly to South Korea. Yes. So they have a Chinese middleman who's or, or middlewoman right. who's helping them. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Keep going. So you did fisheries, and what else have you looked at? Oh, uh, actually, when I just first first joined uh, KMI, my seniors focused on fishery, so I started with fishery. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, recently, I move a little bit toward the shipping because I need to learn more about these issues. So recently, I made some research on the Korean shipping data, the vessels come and go out uh, to and out of North Korea uh-huh. since 2077 until... Two, 2007? 77. Oh, I'm sorry, 1977. Oh, from 1977. Uh, yeah, yeah, from okay, 1977. Or, or 45 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Since then till 2021. That's a lot of data. Yes, okay. yes. You must know our uh, colleague uh, Ethan Jewell, who does... Oh, a, yes. He's our shipping tracker expert. Right, right. Okay. We, we haven't discussed about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we tracked down uh, how the vessels... So how much far and how has been changed, and we made some research on it. It's a very recent one. And you also look at uh, North Korean ships disguising themselves as not North Korean ships. Yes, yes. Or ship-to-ship transfers, right. secret mm-hmm. s- sales of ships, etc. Okay. Yes. Wow, that's a, that's a very interesting uh, topic of discussion. Um, have you ever visited North Korea? Oh, yes, once. It was 2000. Eight okay. uh, June, I remember the exact date because ah. it was uh, when Yongbyon nuclear uh, reactor, the tower, it was exploded. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Were you there in Yongbyon? Y- yes. Why were you there in Yongbyon? I exactly remember because I, I went there for, some, for delivering humanitarian aid products. But there, from South Korea? Yes, from South Korea. I was working for NGO, but at that time, we were trying to visit Myohyang Mountain, Mountain yeah. Myohyang, mm-hmm. but it was on the way to Yongbyon. It was near, so they did not allow us to go there. To Myohyang? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. So they, where did you go? Oh, so we couldn't just go other, uh, so we just stayed in Pyongyang. Oh, okay. So you didn't go to Yongbyon? No, no, okay, no. Okay, you just stayed in Pyongyang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. And how was that, that visit? Oh, it was about a week, less than a week, but I, I was very young mm-hmm. at that time, and I was very afraid. And I was kind of very um, scared. I could not speak well because with my mouth, like I couldn't say Bukhan, right? I, oh, I could yeah. not say, I have to say Chosan. Did they, like, would they like get that. angry if you said Bukhan? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I've been trained a lot about that. So uh-huh. it was very hard. When I just returned from the North Korea and when I arrived in Incheon, I just uh, I just cried because it was so stressful yeah, for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, uh, from my experience in North Korea, I know that they. Uh, they like it very much if you say "witongne um, aretongne" for uh-huh, North yeah. Korea, South uh-huh, Korea. That, that, uh-huh. that they seem to enjoy that a lot. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can try saying that one next okay. time. So, uh, for those uh, listeners who may not be familiar with Korean, it means uh, sort of the uh, the neighborhood up there and the neighborhood down there instead of uh, north or south. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you've done a lot of um, uh, academic research related to tourism in North Korea. Now, uh, during COVID, of course, there has been zero uh, international tourism not from china not from anywhere do you think that the tourism sector in north korea will recover again and if so when i have to mention that uh, north north korea the kim jong-un actually really want to develop a uh, tourism industry it was very the time period is almost the same when the, the, he had a power mm-hmm. and he starting development 
uh, sorry, development of the tourism industry, it was exactly the same. It started from 2013, I think. Right. So I think if he, if he can do, I think he will open the tourism game. But the problem is the sanction and uh, the COVID-19. And I might say that he may lost his um, kind of desire for Inter-Korean tourism because he haven't, you know, he has not got anything right. for the last uh, couple of years. So I will say that he will turn to Chinese or Russian tourists. Ah, yeah, he'll focus on, on, on those tourists. Okay. Well, okay, let's talk about your most recent research, which is on uh, maritime and fisheries issues after uh, the 2017 sanctions and the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, uh, a bit of background here for our listeners. North Korea tested its sixth nuclear device and its first intercontinental ballistic missile back in 2017. And that's when the world community under the United Nations Security Council placed heavy economic sanctions on North Korea. Uh, now, instead of changing its behavior, North Korea decided to follow a path of self-reliance uh, maybe because it didn't expect the sanctions would last for a long time. So what effect did those sanctions have on North Korean maritime and fisheries industries before the COVID-19 pandemic? Mm-hmm. Um, for fisheries, definitely the sanction made a ban on export items, coal, minerals, and clothing and fish. These three are main items abandoned. So, so North Korea is not allowed to export fish or fisheries related products right, anymore. Yes. The, okay. They have a um they made some ban on seafood area, the whole sector. They mm-hmm. cannot sell anything. So some might say that in comparing to coal export, fish export, the volume or the money revenue is quite small comparing mm-hmm. to coal, but still we cannot say that it is nothing because fish export it amounts about one one billion, one billion dollars to them. It's a almost uh, uh, equivalent to the the income wage from the castle industrial complex. Mm. So it is something to them. So it is a big change. And because they cannot export the fish, I also see that the production of a fishery also decreased. It just pointed its top uh, amount in 2016. Maybe they made a very strong drive since 2013 on the fishery sector. They, they reached their top capacity. But still, I think they they lost their motive or incentive to uh, capture more fish because they cannot sell any longer. Mm. And also, sanction made some quarter. How do you say they they cannot import enough oil any longer? So right. they have to save the oil. They have uh-huh. to save the fuel. So, so the oil which is used in the fishing boats. Right. Yes. Okay. They cannot put their oil. Even though you know they, they cannot sell the fish, then why do they put their oil into the fish? I mean the fishing vessel. Right. Now I noticed that uh, North Korea has um, sold some fishing rights to China, um, particularly in the the crabbing areas over there on the, the west coast. Uh, when I went to uh, Yonpyeongdo a couple of years ago, we saw the Chinese boats very very close to the island. Um, so is this a way that North Korea gets around the sanctions, that since North Korea cannot fish and cannot export the fish, it just sells the rights to China? And if so, I mean, is that covered by sanctions? Is, is North Korea technically blocked from selling fishing rights to China, or is that actually allowed under sanctions? Oh, I, I think it's a good point. Yes, uh, besides the seafood uh, sector, the selling fishing line is also banned oh. by the UN sanctions. So basically they cannot do. But it's a tricky because in the West Sea, you know China, 
he, uh, it had also their exclusive economic zone. It just uh, meets with our economic zone or uh, North one. So sometimes they just uh, break it, mm-hmm. and, and but we cannot just uh, touch it because you know we where EEZ is overlapped. Right. So West Sea is kind of tricky, but the real problem happens in the East Sea. On the East Sea between yeah. Korea and Japan. Yes, okay. and also there is Russia and North, and okay. North Korea sell their fishing ground to the third country. We are calling it China, but anyway, the you know Chinese or you know the third okay. country's fishing vessels enter into North so, Korea's. But then, mm-hmm. but, but it's difficult for China to access that area directly. Does it have to go around right, South right. Korea? They do that. They yeah. go around mm-hmm. South Korea, mm-hmm. past Jeju-do, yes, yes. And past Busan, where you live, yeah, yes, and then they go all the way north into. North Korean territorial waters, and they do fishing there. Yes. Okay. It's a big problem actually because uh, most of their vessels are from Shandong province. Yes, yeah, because the peninsula. There, yes, yeah. there is some area or period that Chinese government did not them to fish for protecting the fishing ground. Those er- those period they buy fishing vessel from North Korea uh-huh. and they just come into the fishing ground of North Korea. Uh, so because they cannot fish locally yes. around Shandong, they have to come over to North Korea's waters. Yeah, the problem right. is that if they got too much squid there in South Korea, we cannot uh, capture fish because they capture too much. But they're not capturing fish from South Korean waters, are they? Yeah, but squid, uh, the cuttlefish, something. Yes. Yeah, it, they they are just moving around to Japan, North Korea, South ah. Korea. So if they cut too much, we cannot have more, you know, squid in South okay. Korea. Well, I'm I'm not a big fan of squid, so <laughs> I, I don't mind too much. But yeah. I I understand that uh, Korea has a lot of squid lovers. Yeah, Gangwon Province and Gyeongbok Province, the local officials, they made demonstration here, right. like National Assembly, something, ah. and we we could die if you you know government doesn't do anything. Right. Okay. Now. Uh, going back to the sanctions there, why do you think North Korea believed that the United Nations sanctions of 2017 would not last for a long time? Well, I have different opinion there. I I, I think they did not expect that. It's it's not going to last a, a long time. I think they expected it. That's oh. why they came out to the table in 2018 and 19. Ah. That's my perspective. Okay. Now, how has the COVID-19 pandemic uh, affected North Korean maritime and fisheries industries. Mm, oh well, uh, I have to go back to fishing line. Actually, uh, after the sanction, even though it is banned, the the selling uh, fishing line it actually increased. More more fishing vessels entered North Korea from so, a third country. Yes, yes, it was what happened after sanction. Mm-hmm. But because of COVID nineteen, it decreased, really decreased. That and, is. And uh, why is that? Because North Korea is afraid. From you know the uh-huh. virus infiltration, they did not allow them to to come closer to their territory. So right. yeah, they set some some certain kind of um, rules on that. So that's the first thing. And and for right, because as far as we know, mm-hmm. uh, since early 2020, North Korea has not allowed any people to come in. Yes. Not North Korean people or people from any country. Yes. No one has been allowed to come mm-hmm. in, and that includes fishermen from third countries, which may or may not be China. Oh, actually, they opened the fishing ground, right. but uh, they just uh, moved, uh, moved the line or uh-huh. allowed the fishing ground to, yeah. to toward outside, Right. So not, not come closer. Yeah, stay over there. Don't come near the coast. Uh, you're not allowed to come to port. You're not allowed to refuel, etc. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, has that had a big economic effect then for North Korea? To North Korea, maybe... They could have lost some 
Yeah, amount of foreign exchange, foreign currency. Yeah. Right. Now, as for shipping, have has all North Korea's ports been closed mm-hmm. since 2020? No, 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 not really. Actually, they uh, they close when they close the border. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they open the ports, even though they close the train and trucks from uh-huh. China, but they still open ports. Like Nampur, for example. Yes, yes. Okay. So they do the maritime trade, even though they close the overland trade. But they have some strict quarantine regulations, don't they? Right. So the foreign vessels should wait outside the Kanmun, Sohe Kanmun. How do you say in English? Uh, that is the, the, um, the, barak- the West Sea Barrage. A barrage, yes. So the foreign vessel should stay there for a month, maybe. They cannot enter. Yes. So the, the crew has to stay on the ship, mm-hmm. outside on the high seas, yeah. waiting to be allowed to come in. And N- that's not high sea, but in, okay. in their territory. Oh, in North Korea territory. But, but yeah. Yeah, not into their... their right. You know, so their for a month, line. they have to eat their own food and, and you know basically stay like prisoners on the ship right. before they're allowed to go mm-hmm. to the Nampo. Okay, well, that, that's a, a disincentive to, to many shipping companies to go there because that resource, that ship cannot be used for anything for a month. Yeah. That, that's quite costly. Yes, yes, of course. But recently they just uh, loosen, loosened the restrictions. So I nowadays see. it de- decreased to 15 days, something like that, and they allow the, the ship crew to, to come into their coast. Okay. All right, well, let's talk about uh, a little bit about coastal tourism. You mentioned earlier that uh, when Kim Jong-un came into power, he wanted to... Uh, to really ramp up the tourism industry, we had the development of the Mashigryong Ski Resort and uh, the the village up there in Samji and all sorts of things. But also, he began to develop the Kalma Peninsula near Wonsan to make this big tourist village, uh, maybe for Chinese or South Korean tourists. Was the Kalma project completed? Oh, I checked the, the, the how much time they mentioned about Karma uh, Resort. It started from the construction of Karma Resort. It started from 2018 mm-hmm. January. They start mentioning it, and it ends in 2020 June. So I think till um, that time, I think they made their construction. It is uh, their frames are completed, mm-hmm. but the interior things are not completed ah, yet. So, so it, it's never opened for tourists. No. Okay. When North Korea opens its borders, do you imagine that um, that Kalma will be finished and will uh, start to receive tourists? Obviously, no South Korean tourists, as you mentioned but maybe Chinese and Russian tourists? Yes, because Kim Jong-un made much effort in it. Uh, it was a national agenda, kind right. of. So I think he will restart it, yeah. Okay, now North Korea has also been trying some uh, land reclamation projects. Uh, South Korea has done that too, most famously in the uh, Semangum Bay on the southwest coast of Korea. Why has North Korea been reclaiming land? What's the purpose? Oh, it's kind of uh, came down from uh, their ancestor. How do you say it? From Kim Il-sung. Uh, area uh, period is uh-huh. earlier. So, in 1976 something, they made some some rule how to manage the land. There are five ways to uh, manage land. One of them is a reclamation. So, and in 19 for agriculture. Yes, yes. Okay. Because you know the their North Korean land are not fertile, so they have to find new new land for farming. So uh, in but is, is reclaimed land land reclaimed from the sea, is that fertile? Oh it takes some time. I see. Because there are so many you know, salt. Right, a lot yeah, of salt. It, yeah, how it do takes you make time. I mean I'm not an expert in this. How do you make uh, reclaimed land fertile? <laughs> oh I don't think so. But at least we can uh, farm but we can build something. You build make something some building right. and okay. we can just uh, make some some resident there. So 
Anyway, so they set uh, some kind of goal mm -hmm. in 1981 something. They trying to make three three hundred thousand hectare to in total. They set the goal in 1980, okay. and they are pushing that goal till now. Oh, they're still working to get yes. the 300,000 uh -huh. hectares. Okay. Now, what what has happened to these land reclamation projects? What what are they doing with it? Mm, uh, recently, in 2010, they made a big accomplishment now because they put much effort in it. So Kim Jong-il made this is kind of an example. And then they just get some strengths from mm -hmm. the, the accomplishments. They put much effort in it. So recently, in the mid-2010, the, the, the frequency, frequency of mentioning the reclamation has been just increased mm -hmm. so much. And they put their all efforts in it. So Kim Jong-un has made it a focus area. Mm -hmm. I see. Now, isn't land reclamation from tidal flats ecologically a bad idea because it destroys this natural ecosystem, the tidal flats? Yes, yes. In my understanding, the advanced country, they realized uh, the fact, the negative effect. They, they stopped there, like like in 1980s. They yeah. stopped already, but... Like South Korea and North Korea, we didn't realize that, right. so we kept doing it. And yeah. now we see that the wetlands, the tidal flood is kind of a wetland. Yeah. A wetland is kind of an organ of a planet. Right. It's kind of a lung. We can breathe with lungs. So wetland yeah. absorbs lots of CO2. Yeah. It's very important. So, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> North yeah. Korea does not realize it. I know, uh, you know, coming from the Netherlands, that has a lot of uh, land uh, had yeah, in the past, yeah. a lot of land reclamation projects. But that that's all finished now. Now it's all about trying to preserve what little uh, wetlands has been left there. Yes, yes. So I, I remember reading somewhere that Korea is one of the last natural wetlands in the world, and it's mm -hmm. now disappearing both in North and in South Korea. Yes, Does the yes, KMI yes. try to advocate, you know, hey, let's uh, protect the wetlands? Yes, yeah, that's one of our area. Yeah, wetland, yeah, the West Sea, the wetland is one of the, the very big, big tide flood in the world. Is the South Korean government continuing its land reclamation projects or is it, have, have we finished here in South Korea? No, not really. We are not trying to do it any longer. I no. see. So on a related note, how has Kim Jong-un shown a changing response to climate change issues? What, what are his priorities in climate change? Uh, recently, he made some, some speech or report in September 2022. And he mentioned that there are two big national agenda, very important national agenda in recent years. Uh, one is uh, land management, and second is um, anti-flood afforestation. Mm. Uh, anti-flood reforestation. Yes, reforestation. So, because we know that uh, after the Korean War, most of North and South Korea was empty of trees. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, North Korea had this agricultural policy of let's grow rice on the mountainsides. And so even more trees were uh, cut down. Yes. And so now North Korea wants to reforest as right. a flood control measure. Yes. So he mentioned that these two things are national agenda in recent years. So I see that he's aware of uh, disastrous climate change and effect of it. There are lots of droughts, flood and typhoon. And when such a disaster hit the country, you see the damage on the crops and it could lead food shortage. Mm. It could be dan real dangerous to him, so right. to, to North Korea. So that's okay. his point of view. So w remind us again of those two areas. So it's... it's land uh, management. Uh, land management. management. It w includes a reclamation, things like that. How to manage the land area. Okay. That is the first one. And second is uh, uh, preventing natural disaster. Right. Okay, uh, back to, uh, to fisheries for a moment there. Um, what's happened to the price of fish uh, in North Korea since the borders were closed due to COVID? Have, have fish prices gone up or are people 
having a harder time eating fish in North Korea? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in this year, we are tracking the fishery prices, but, but uh, for several years, we could not have that data, mm. so I cannot say it in very numerical data, but according to the reports or other you know, journalistic some paper, they have contact with North Korea, and they mentioned that the price of p- fish uh, has been increased about 30% to 300%. Between 30 and 300%. Yes. It's a big so range. It, oh, no, no. I mean, it depends on the, the item, the, the, the species. Ah. Yeah, I cannot call the name, but, you know, there are main items, main fish items in North Korea people mm-hmm. enjoy. So because they they stop export and they just close the door and fish should uh, stay inside North Korea, but right. there is a problem distribution, things like that. And also... Sometimes because of COVID-19, the fisherman was not allowed to go out for fishing. Really? Yes, yes. Was that seen as a danger? Yes, yes. If you go out fishing, you might catch COVID on the sea. Right, yeah, maybe. It's not very logical. I know, but they they are very afraid to Mm -hmm. the trash, birds, everything could be a channel of a virus, yes. Wow. Okay, let's talk about uh, shipping. Now, North Korea, as I mentioned earlier, is active in ship-to-ship transfers to export coal and import oil. Why does it transfer raw raw materials from ship-to-ship in the open sea? It seems like an inefficient and maybe even a a dangerous way to work. Yeah, because there's no other way, right? Because uh, because of sanction, they cannot um, sell coal over land trade. So that is the first reason. And after that, because of COVID-19, they have to shut the door, they close the door. Then uh, the open way is a maritime trade, so they use it. Even though they know that it's inefficient, it's uh, very inconvenient, it's dangerous, but there's no other way. Okay, so thinking about COVID, you're, you're trying to avoid contact with people. Just practically speaking, if North Korea sends a ship from Nampo to somewhere near Shandong and China... Somebody in China sends a ship from Shandong to meet that ship near Shandong. Is it possible to transfer coal or oil from ship to ship without the people actually meeting? Is that practically possible? Well, maybe they can maintain some distance. Uh-huh. And even though they have some contact, it's better uh, to make a lot of people to contact because there are just a few. And when right. they come back to their land, yeah. they make some inspection period. They, so that they cannot have... Uh, so, the, so the North Korean ship may have to wait one month outside the West Sea Barrage also? For their domestic vessel, they, they did not take that oh. so long. Okay, so the, the, the North Korean domestic vessels have a shorter period. Yes, okay, yes. Interesting. Now, so right now, what is a, a more important source of trade for North Korea? Is it overland trade or maritime trade? Mm-hmm. Well, it has been uh, changed several times since sanction. It is ah. an interesting point. Yeah. Uh, before sanctions, since 2016, they made a strong drive in selling cores. So at, at that time, the maritime trade uh, was uh, superior. It was predominant. Mm-hmm. And then because of sanction, uh, coal export was not allowed. Then it just dropped again. Right. So in those er- those period, overland trade was predominant. Right. And COVID-19 again, yep. they shut the door. Now maritime trade is predominant. Ah. Okay. Well, so it's a really... It, we've seen a lot of changes in the last five years then. Mm-hmm. Now, North Korea uh, in August this year declared an end to the COVID pandemic. Kim Jong-un famously pronounced that we have uh, victory over COVID. Is North Korea still maintaining strict border control uh, with China and South Korea, both uh, overland and maritime? Oh, yes. They they keep a lot. They just uh, older people not to touch anything strange. 
uh, from the coastline. I, I mentioned the trash, birds, yeah. or anything. And uh, on that August speech, Kim Yeo-jung mentioned that the, the first uh, place of, you know, outbreak of uh, virus, the, the COVID is the border area with ah. the South Korea. He, she, yeah, she mentioned that area. Right. I think uh, with it, this uh, event, I think she tried not to take any flyers from the South and, and she makes some warning to mm. people not to touch something okay, from so South why, Korea. Okay, so why are they maintaining these strict controls even after they have pronounced victory oh but yeah but victory is not forever because you know things could come again mm. and i see that they when they first pro- proclaimed the maximum emergency system yeah it was just after when when north korean defector uh came uh, when when back went back to north korea from us uh, uh, through the Kaesong area oh yes he swam across the engine yes. and went back to Kaesong. yes yeah. and then they proclaimed the maximum emergency system so they mm-hmm. are very very or threatening about. So they're still worried about a possible infection. But China has a zero COVID policy. North Korea has a, some kind of zero COVID right. policy. Surely you would think that now it would be safe to have uh, overland trade, maritime trade with China. Mm-hmm. But North Korea is not going that way. Right. I, I would say that um, now we are kind of uh, free from mm-hmm. COVID-19. We, we can be safe. We feel safe because yeah. we have some kind of vaccination right now. Oh, you mean here in South Korea? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But in North Korea, they are still, you know, they, they don't have unvaccinated, so mm. they, they could be very, very afraid and anxious about it. Now, I understand that you and your colleagues at KMI uh, have sketched out four scenarios for North Korea for the next five years. And they're pretty uh, broad scenarios, but mainly looking at economic issues. So please, could you tell us about those four scenarios? Yes, there could be... Um, so many kinds of scenarios. So we made some variables, external condition and an internal a domestic condition of North Korea. And external condition is about uh, Chinese-Russian bloc. Mm-hmm. When they get closure and North Korea can depend on their power, they can survive. This is one variable. And second variable is um, negotiation with the U.S. If U.S. and uh, North Korea can restart uh, denuclearization negotiation, they can make another opportunity for a survivor. These are the external condition, and for domestic condition, uh, we picked uh, two things. First one is related to climate change. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, that uh, time goes by, uh, natural disaster became a, becomes a big issue. So, if North, now, Korea, North Korea, when we think natural disasters, mainly we're thinking about flooding or drought. Yes, right? yes, those yeah. are the two main things. Sometimes a typhoon as well can be right. the third one. Yes, so flooding, yes. drought, typhoons. Yes, exactly. Okay. So if they are, they do not respond to this kind of disaster like uh, adequately, they can make some big problem in food supply. That is the first uh, condition. And second is their self-supporting economy. They are trying to make everything inside, right? If we fail to make and supply daily necessities, this can be another danger. So we picked these two as a domestic international condition. Okay, so the, the two domestic conditions are uh, responding to... Uh or preparing for natural disasters related to climate change. And the second one is the ability to be self-sustaining in terms of uh, right. domestic consumption, food yes. and other things. Yes. And the two international conditions are uh, whether or not North Korea negotiates with America mm-hmm. and whether or not China and Russia become closer and right. form a kind of a, yes. a, a block. Yes. So with this four variable, we made several you know, metrics. Right, okay. we've very, uh made some some scenarios and we thought that Chinese Russian uh, their block 
and denuclearization negotiation, these two things cannot go together because when China and Russia, they are so close and they support North Korea, uh, North Korea does not have any incentive to, right. to you know, to make... To negotiate. Uh, yes, yes. So right. we just uh, reject this kind of scenarios. So we just uh, uh, downsize the, the number of uh, scenarios. Yeah. So we made four scenarios. Uh-huh. Yeah, so first one, uh, China's Russian block, they are so strong and North Korea can depend on it. In that case, no matter what, even though they fail in responding to climate change or some self-supporting economy, they can survive because they can depend on China or Russia. Mm. Like in the 1990s, after yeah. the failure of communism, yeah, North exactly. Korea survived because China continued to help it. Okay. Yes, exactly. That is the first scenario. And second scenario, China and Russia, they, they don't get close any mm-hmm. longer from like like um, at this moment. Yeah. And China and, and North Korea cannot depend on it so strong. And then uh, U.S. and North Korea can make some, some opportunity to talk again. Mm-hmm. That is the second scenario. In that case, maybe even though North Korea get trouble, get in trouble, U.S. or South Korea can help them. You mean like economic trouble or yeah. a natural disaster? Uh, both of them. Both, so, yeah. so that is second scenario. Mm-hmm. And third scenario, external conditions are th- doesn't, doesn't help North Korea. It's just uh, no China, no Russia, no mm-hmm. U.S. Even though they are still there, but not just... Uh, did not bring full, you know, range of support. Yeah. And then domestic condition becomes very, very important. And if they fail in one of them, like climate change things, food shortages or daily necessities, like one of them, even they fail, if they fail, yeah. it could make very, you know, dangerous situation. When you say dangerous situation, we're talking about internal instability, right? Yes, yes. Some kind of... Uh-huh. Perhaps a famine, like in the 1990s, yeah, yeah, they are just people much. moving around mm-hmm. looking for food, or maybe some kind of uh, you know unhappy people expressing their unhappiness. Yes, yes, that is the, the kind of worst scenario, and that is actually the last scenario, fourth scenario. Mm-hmm. And third scenario is are they can make it, they can just survive, they can, they just uh, respond to climate change very well, uh-huh. and they they are accomplishing their self-supporting economy. That is third scenario. So we have four scenarios. Okay. Now, uh, you mentioned as one of the international scenarios that uh, North Korea may or may not be able to negotiate with Mm -hmm. the United States on uh, denuclearization and sanctions. Now, recently, I interviewed uh, Halin Han from the Korea Institute for International Economic Policy, or KIA. Uh, She and her colleagues looked at possible models in Southeast Asia for North Korean economic transition. Uh, And she said there were many possible options and there were four uh, potential models. But the one thing that she said is an absolute necessity for any of these models is that North Korea must improve its relationship with the United States. She said that uh, all four of those Southeast Asian countries, so Cambodia, Laos, uh, Myanmar and Vietnam, all of them improved their relations with North Korea before their economies transition. Without that, nothing can really be done. Do you agree? Mm, Yes, of course. Yeah, definitely. Because in nowadays, UN is also, you know, not controlled, but influenced a lot from the U.S. And U.S. has, you know, kind of a mm, privilege mm-hmm. and, and all kinds of systems, the financial things and trade. And even China, they entered the WTO system maybe in 2000, something like that. So it took a long time to get some approval from international society to get aid. So if North Korea will need many international aid and Mm. funds, and for doing that, uh, it had to enter the WTO, uh, IMF, or the World Bank. All of them are required to be approved by the U.S. So without it, maybe North Korea cannot make it. 
Now, with these four uh, scenarios that you sketched out, you uh, did a survey of 25 South Korean experts on North Korea issues. Uh, which scenarios did they find most likely or plausible? Uh, I, based on the survey, uh, they supported the first scenario and the fourth scenario. So the very most po- most optimistic and the mm-hmm. most pessimistic. Right, yeah. Really? Yeah, okay. so the first one, in chi- China and Russia, they made some block and they, they became very so strong and North Korea can survive depending on their power. That is the first scenario. And the worst thing, uh, otherwise, uh, they, North Korea could have failed in you know self-supporting economy. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so those are the two most likely scenarios yes. according to your survey of 25 yes. experts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the likelihood that North Korea will suffer natural disasters along its coast in the next five years? Well, it it is not easy to make some some numerical data, but uh, expert twenty five experts they they agree that uh, more than eighty percent agree that there could be some coastal uh, disaster in the next five years because of you know the the, the drought, flood, things right. like that, and also food shortage. Yeah, it's their forecasting. That's not just the coastal area, that's all throughout North Korea. All throughout Korea, the North yeah. Korea, yes. Uh, what other results did you find interesting uh, in this survey? Well, uh, mm, not interesting, but for me, I, I'm, I'm looking for the maritime and fishery issue, and right. I'm so like keen to it, but yes. other experts are not like me, so they were kind of uh, less aware about a ship-to-ship transfer mm. or things that happen, because I thought that... It, uh, North Korean vessels or some vessels uh, cooperating North Korean vessels, they could visit South Korea as well. They use some kind of, you know, the shipping routes. But experts were not that aware of that. Mm. So I think we need to, to learn more about this issue. Which of the four outcomes do you think is most likely? Well, it, my personal point of view, I would say the first scenario is most um So a Russia likely. China block yeah. helping North Korea mm. financially, economically and with humanitarian aid. Yes. Propping up the North Korean regime. But it doesn't mean that North Korea would not have a natural disaster. Right. I still think that yeah. there could be some some problem in food supply and shortages. Now as a result of this research, did you or, or the KMI give some advice to the South Korean government here is what we should do to prepare? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, for the Ministry of Unification, we made some suggestion to to track down and to keep eye on on vessel you know traffic so that uh, how no- North Korean vessels are moving yeah. and whether they are come to our, our port or not. That oh, is they should the, subscribe to NK Pro. We have an yeah, NK uh, a North Korea vessel tracker. Yes, I I, I recommend that. This is the, the very first thing we can do and we should do. Ah. Yeah, and also secondly, we have to set some amount of money for humanitarian aid. We mm-hmm. have to make some plan to get ready for possible natural right. disasters. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The first one you mentioned is interesting because sometimes I know in the last couple of years it seems like. Uh, North Korean ships have come to South Korean ports without the South Korean government's knowledge? Uh, mm, in a sense, I'm not sure whether we can call it North Korean vessel, but yeah, North, some yeah vessels that is related, related to North, North Korean, Korean right. activities, yes. Yeah, and, and that that's a bit embarrassing for the South Korean government when they don't know this, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and, and do you think the South Korean government will prepare funds for potential disasters in North Korea? I mean, money's always a problem, isn't it? Money's always tight. 
You have limited budget. Oh uh, well, it's it's sad, but we have plenty of money actually oh. for inter-Korean cooperation. Ah. But the problem is that whether we can use it or not. Yeah. Even though we would like to use, sometimes North Korea does not want to, ah. you know, receive it. And that so. is another problem, is it? Because I think even during COVID, when Moon Jae-in was president, uh, he said, you know, we'd like to give you some things, mm-hmm. masks, uh, yes. personal protection equipment, and uh, vaccinations. And North Korea said, thanks, but no thanks, basically. Yes. Yeah. I think we should be more shrewd in giving that. More shrewd. Know, shrewd. Like maybe yeah. give it through a third country. Yes, I think so. Some international maybe agency China. or something. Or, yeah. or an international right. agency. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, one, I have a, a bonus question for me, basically. Um, in 1968, uh, North Korea captured a, uh, an American spy ship, the USS Pueblo, somewhere near the coast of Wonsan. Mm-hmm. And they held it there near Wonsan for several decades. And then sometime around 1999 or 2000, they moved that ship from Wonsan around Korea to Pyongyang. Uh, and now that vessel is in Pyongyang. Maybe when you went there in, 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 in 2008, maybe you saw the Pueblo? I, I think so. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, er, they like to take tourists there. Every time I've been to North Korea, they've taken us to the Pueblo. How did that happen without the knowledge of the South Korean Navy or the South Korean authorities? How did they get around there? Uh, what do you mean? They, they get around... They moved the ship from Wonsan to Pyongyang. It's very difficult to do that over land. The only oh. way to do it is to sail around South Korea. How did they do that? I'm not sure. They they went through the, the, the sea they, or land. They must have. Must have. They must have oh, gone through the sea. If it's meant to, uh, it, it should go. If it goes to the sea, it's no problem. Actually, it takes time. It mm-hmm. takes some fuel and money, but it, it can. It can. With the, the internal, inter-Korean agreement, we uh, used to allow North Korean vessels to, to pass through Jeju Strait. Right, but that's not a North Korean vessel, the Pueblo. It's an American naval vessel. Oh, yes, yeah. So maybe they have to just go just around the Jeju Island. Uh-huh. But it takes more time and more fuel, but it, it is possible. Yeah. I think they, they thought that it is worth. That's to, what it was worth trying? Yes, because mm. they can you know, demonstrate their victory over the U.S. So yeah. it, it is worth Okay. All right. Well, thank you once again for coming on the NK News podcast today, Dr. Yuninju of the Korea Maritime Institute. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Great. Great to have you. We hope to have you again. And next time you make an interesting report. Okay. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, if you already have an NK News subscription, please take a look at our NK Pro platform, which offers unparalleled services like the NK North Korea Ship Tracker uh, or Vessel Tracker, specifically catering to the needs of professionals who monitor developments on the Korean Peninsula. And, of course, we also have the North Korea Missile Tracker. Every single missile launch, whether it's successful or a failure, is on that one. You can inquire about access and a free trial membership by writing an email to membership at nknews.org today. Also, if you have any feedback, questions, or guest recommendations, please send them to podcast at nknews.org. Our thanks, as always, go to Brian Betts and Arias Dare for facilitating this episode and to Gabby Magnuson, our post-recording producer genius. Thanks and listen again next time.